This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 21st of September 2022 at home in Wicklow. And in it, I discuss the things that we find upsetting and how we can try and learn to handle more. How it's in our interests to be able to handle the stuff that we find confronting. So broadly speaking, the theme of today's episode is about resilience and the cultivation of that resilience, the cultivation of the I can and things will get better. Uh, I throw some woke analysis into the mix, a bit of a counter argument to woke ideology that I don't think is... Because I think woke ideology is not helping our resilience broadly. Um, I also discuss the nature of time and time passing and how we step forward into the future and where mindfulness is in the mix. And there's also time at the end of the episode to spend a few minutes discussing Lawrence of Arabia, the 1962 David Lean masterpiece. And I try and shoehorn that into uh, a context of resilience and suffering and mental health. Uh, so, yeah, so that's it. That's what's that's what's coming up. I um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, have a listen. I hope you like it. And I hope you're feeling more positive and more capable on the other side okay cool i'll see you around the corner cheers not gonna change my mind leaving the dream behind hi my name is dara clear and you're listening to the clear out how are you how are things i've got the heater on (laughs) got the heater on now that either means i'm a wuss or it's objectively cold and the truth as always is probably somewhere in the middle i've also got a wheat bag on my on my shoulder one of those lovely little wheat bags that you can heat in the microwave you know you're getting old when you just stand up or you just turn your head to look out the window <laughs> and something in your body spasms or breaks or snaps or yanks or jerks and you're thinking hold on a second I actually did this whole, an entire stretching routine this morning and it hasn't saved me so um so yeah I'm 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 not going to sit in the cold while while I record this and further impact my uh my challenged body i managed to pull some weird muscle across my shoulder it's not it's nothing serious everyone relax don't go grabbing your car keys and jumping in your car to rush down here to hashtag blessed to give me a cuddle or a massage or just an embrace a warm embrace they embraced warmly um but yeah, isn't it funny? The um, I know it's it's been topical for the last few episodes. I've been 
I, I, I keep mentioning the change of seasons, but it is very evident the the pinch that's happening. My daughter was trying to work out yesterday if the days were getting longer or shorter. So I said, well, what do you think? You know, think about what the summer days were like. Think about what's coming. What direction are we moving? What are winter days like? What are the days going to be like around Christmas? So we, we eventually, we eventually got there. The uh, The mornings are darker. I'm heading out in the dark to do my morning routine, which um, hasn't been as vigorous um, over the last few months. Over the summer, I've I've dropped the conditioning part of my routine. I've really been focusing on qigong and tai chi and stretching. And it's prob- probably because I've been doing building work for the last uh yeah, two and a half months. So I'm sort of getting the conditioning through um, through building work, lifting blocks and mixing concrete and cement and moving timber and that kind of thing um, and handling tools all day long. So, um, yeah, but I want to I want to reinstitute the uh, the conditioning part of my routine because I miss it. And it's it's amazing how easy it is to fall out of a habit um, like that, because especially a habit that is that requires effort. Um, these healthful habits that I've referred to regularly over the the lifetime of the pod. Um, so yeah. Anyway, here we are again. Here we are again. A week has gone by. Some of you and. My wife, I include my wife in the some of you, took in um, the, the the Queen's, the Queen of England's funeral. Um, I didn't myself. Uh, I passed by the screen, the TV a couple of times the other day. My wife was watching it. I think she was watching a replay of the whole thing. I was like, I, I can't believe you're watching this. Anyway, um, such pageantry. Ah, oh, such a throwback. Ah, oh, redolent of the halcyon days of the empire um, and as i as i said or as i speculated in last week's episode what a phenomenal outlay of of money when uh so many subjects of the crown are struggling to survive there's a real grotesque aspect to it um and yet i recognize that on some level people are boosted by an event like that boosted by the by the celebration boosted by the theater boosted by the the display the ceremony the tradition um there's a a cultural affirmation although i'm not alone in thinking that the future is is unclear. The future of uh, what that national identity will be and how central or not the royal family and monarchy will be to the the British identity is is unclear. It's 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 nebulous. It's murky. So um, anyway, best of luck. Best of luck to those multimillionaires. Um, <laughs> so. The clear out, if you're new 
If you're new to this little venture, this projet, as they say in France, the clear out is all about explorations of wellness. It's about wellness with attitude. The attitude part is let's not get too precious. Let's not get too woo. Let's try and keep things pretty real. Let's not be afraid to laugh at ourselves. But let's also not be afraid to own our shit. That's my shit. That's your shit. I'm going to own mine. I'm not going to I'm not going to move my shit over to your pile and pretend it's your shit. Okay? That's that's a that's a central tenet of my philosophy of being well. Own your own stuff. Sometimes you'll need a bit of help. You might need a bit of help to unpack that. You might need a bit of help shifting it, moving it, getting perspective on it. But it is your stuff. It doesn't matter who may have helped that stuff get there, who may have triggered you, who may have, who may have traumatized you, impacted you. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, you're the one who's carrying it. You have to deal with it. And that can feel very unfair at times. And life, life can be unfair. Life can be cruel. And I was thinking earlier um, about this idea of what what life should be like, what life is meant to be like. And it's a sort of a nonsensical idea, isn't it? Life is just life. Life is... it's just it's just we're we're just these little things scrabbling around the planet trying to survive and it's 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 a good question who lays out who lays out the template who who gives us our our understanding our our instinct for what life should and shouldn't be um it really, you know, it, it 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 it's 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 all academic, isn't it? Because it doesn't change what the reality is, and at the moment, it would seem across many parts of the world, there's a serious squeeze being applied in so many areas of life, but particularly uh, economically, particularly in terms of energy, particularly in terms of access to to good health care particularly in areas relating to housing um and it's hard if you think about these things it's hard not to feel that life shouldn't be like this life is meant to be different life shouldn't be we shouldn't be struggling so much just to survive um but that's that's always been the case there's always there's always been there's always been struggle and maybe now in the for want of a better phrase the the developed world the the modern western world what used to be called the first world maybe it's really you know generations of unhindered consumption uh are finally coming home to roost um and of course the the conflict 
um, between Ukraine and Russia, that's definitely had an impact. The pandemic has definitely had an impact. Um, but what can we do? What can we do to to square away the that you know that those difficulties, those larger challenges? Um, what can we do to offset them? What can we do to come to an accommodation? What can we do to create a better a better headspace? Or what can we do to cultivate um, a toughness or a resilience that is aligned with a certain amount of positivity? Um, because I do believe that they are very important tools. Uh, we don't want to just collapse. We don't want to just be overwhelmed. Um, and there's no question that many, many people are experiencing those feelings. Um, and phrases like, it's all just too much, or I just can't handle it, or I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to survive this. That's, they're very, very, um, very bleak scenarios. Um, and yet, my belief is we can, we can survive these things and we can find a way through. Now, maybe for the first time in recent times, we need to think a bit more broadly. We need to think a bit more um, in a more complex way. We need to think about more systemic approaches. We need we need our public representatives to do better. We need to think in more communal ways um, and think about cross society or cross community approaches to to sort of to 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 edification to to sort of raising ourselves and strengthening ourselves um and you know really the i suppose the you know what what does that look like in reality is getting into places that aren't comfortable um and sticking your head up and looking for ways to to be involved looking for ways to uh, start ventures in your community and by the way i have to say i i'm not filled with those impulses myself <laughs> i find it very challenging even thinking about that um I mean, I would argue that what I try to do on the podcast is is in this territory of trying to contribute something positive. In my case, it's it's dialogue driven. It's it's about thinking. It's about sharing. It's about storytelling. Uh, it's about asking questions. And yes, there's a, a certain amount of a certain amount of advocacy i suppose that comes with everything i'm trying to do on the clear out um just by trying to just by trying to engage 
engage with with now and engage with this moment and of course there's a a, a mindfulness that comes with that and I might only have a couple of moments a week where that level of mindfulness is something I'm applying directly. The podcast is one of those moments. When I teach Tai Chi, Qigong, that's another another time. Maybe when I'm teaching karate as well. It's, 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 a, it's a different mode um, and it's a different it's a different uh, it's a different dynamic. But I think all of this stuff helps. I think all of this stuff contributes to uh, contributes to that resilience and positivity um, that I was talking about earlier. Um, um, I was thinking about this in terms of, in, and I know this comes up again and again and again, and I'm not banging some uh, political correctness uh, or you know a, a political correctness drum. Um, but I know I, I, I do refer to the culture wars and identity politics and the woke movement um, for semi-regularly. It's not, it's not always the main focus here, but I would be very concerned that there's something about the, the type of sensitivity that is being advocated and cultivated via woke ideology um, my fear is that that is making people far less resilient than they could be now as I've discussed before I discussed this in, in one of the earlier episodes of the podcast um, probably last summer um, I have no issue whatsoever with somebody standing up and making their case and saying historically this has been my experience an experience of injustice or discrimination or an absence of representation um, and I particularly have no issue with somebody saying that when I have no insight into their experience when I don't share their experience when there are very salient factors relating to nationality or skin color or religion or sexuality or gender identification, whatever it might be. Um, and this idea of intersectional um, exclusion um, or intersectional discrimination, whereby it's not just one thing, it might be a combination of things, not only are you gay but you're also black and you're also a woman and so there's three areas where you're coming up against uh, the shutout the closed door the gatekeeping um i i've no no issue whatsoever with anyone standing up and going this hasn't felt right for a long time and i'm taking a position now and i want better treatment i want fairer treatment i don't that that for me is not woke that for me is asserting yourself. That for me is standing up and saying, I'm not going to take this anymore and calling calling bullshit on, on bad behavior. Now, I think that's admirable, actually. Um, but where we get into trouble, um, 
I think is where where a woke ideology tries to completely and and this is the, this is the sort of the the contradiction within that way of thinking woke culture tries to homogenize everything um so everything is validated everything and everyone is validated and it's it's completely unrealistic um and particularly when this is applied to people who say inappropriate things and again inappropriate a completely subjective term uh when people say something that triggers other people when people are being you know saying something that might be sexist or racist or ableist or ageist or whatever ist you want to stick onto it uh when people want to erase the record or go back and uh reevaluate and reassess uh existing cultural texts be they books or songs or or movies um can particularly come into this um and they throw out history they throw out the contemporaneous context and there's nothing subtle there's nothing measured um there's nothing thoughtful about the approach and it's it's got a it's got a, a horrible ideological rabid zeal about it that is really uh sits side by side with things like uh Kristallnacht um and the Nazis you know burning books um uh, fanatical fundamental Christians um burning you know record breaking records uh or, or, or burning books whatever that extreme sense of of righteousness that sets fire to everything um and doesn't bring in gray areas doesn't bring in consideration it's just yay let's do this thing um and the the analogy i think of really is it's it's like a forest fire a forest fire doesn't you know once it gets going it doesn't stop when it comes across some nice trees that it wants to save it doesn't stop when it comes across a little family of I don't know let's let's put ourselves in Australia for a second when it comes across a, a family of koalas or echidnas do echidnas live in forests I've no idea <laughs> what's an echidna mate um an echidna is a very cute little I'm sure it's another marsupial because most of these extraordinarily interesting curious looking mammals uh, in Australia so many of them are marsupials um but the forest fire doesn't stop and go, oh, no, 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 hold on, lads. Hey, you know, speaking to the flames, lads, hold on, back up. Everyone to the right. Yeah, we're going to need to shift about 20 meters to the right and then we can get cracking again. Once it's going, it just destroys everything. Um, and 
I was I was thinking about this. Not only not only I think does this can I I I I apply that analogy to woke ideological zeal, but I was thinking about it recently in terms of of mental health, in terms of um, well, I, I've spoken a little bit about you know my own anger at times and aspects of how i experience depression which can be very self-negating a lot of a lot of self-loathing in the mix when a depressive episode gets a hold of me and when i was younger i used to exacerbate um that experience by by sort of you know by, by taking a match to it and inflaming it because I'd be so angry with myself for being depressed <laughs> so angry with myself for not staying in good form and staying positive and staying hopeful and motivated and I'd just compound my my negative state of mind by just piling judgment onto myself um, and I've I've sort of eliminated that element from uh, how I process, you know, process a depressed state. And I, I don't do that. I haven't done that for, for many, many years. Um, but the, the, the forest fire analogy works there as well, because you sort of, like my experience was, I, I'd, it, I, I'd, set, I'd set everything alight. Everything gets burnt down. Um, and yeah i completely destroy the landscape um and it's a very massively destructive thing as a a forest fire in reality um is and all that's left behind is scorched earth um i remember a friend of mine talking sharing with me um his own experience and i think it, it came up in therapy of how he viewed himself and um i think he said it was like a like a bomb site um his kind of his inner landscape so um yeah there's a bit of a bit of i think a bit of crossover and a, and a bit of maybe a bit of relatability there if if you know if you're someone who has any experience of of that kind of emotional headspace or I mean, I don't know, would you describe it as being, as mental unwellness? It's definitely a periodical unwellness. It's a response. That's really how I view it. It's a response to something. And that that idea of how we respond, I think, is really, really important. How we respond to everything we experience in life but particularly things that we find challenging particularly things that we find confronting how we respond is i think it's central to our our success and failure and again success and failure are very subjective terms but i suppose i think of it this way adverse events difficult events difficult circumstances confronting 
circumstances. A confronting world. Can you proceed on your journey? Or do those events stop you in your tracks? And it may be very unimaginative of me, and I've spoken about this before, but I often think in a very linear way. And I do think chronologically, and I do think life is a, a very linear journey. And I know there's probably 77 quantum physicists who want to disabuse me of that notion and explain alternative times. And I'm already lost. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I already... I already have nothing to add to that uh, <laughs> to that tangent, but um, I that's how I perceive life. It's 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 endless forward momentum, whether we like it or not, and it's part. It's, I think it's partially the the entrenched conditioning that so many of us have around the concept of time. And the passing of time and the marking of time that starts so 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 young um the i mean my daughter's about she'll be nine next month but she's already very tuned into the seven day week and school and the weekend and sometimes she's waking up on a sunday morning and she's already like oh it's sunday oh there's, you know, there's so little to look forward to. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, Nelly, hold on, come on. Um, not this is starting a bit early, um, so it's it's yeah, it's it's a horrible thing. I mean, I remember that as a kid as well. That Sunday night feeling, the end, the end of the weekend. And I mean, I didn't really have an issue at school. I quite liked school, but even still, even still. Um, I don't know Sunday Sunday mornings I still love uh, Sunday Sunday evenings it depends it, of course it all depends what you're doing in your life doesn't it but um, yeah but I, we're, we're conditioned we're conditioned early on to to tick off tick off the days tick off the weeks tick off the months turn the pages on the calendar and it's how we mark our you know marking anniversaries marking events marking festivals the the impact on that is i think it's almost unavoidable that we aren't aware of time and aren't aware of the passage of time um and of course of course that does change it changes as we age um i think we become more aware of the finite nature of what we've been given and there's also the unpredictable nature of what we've been given. Um, because as you get older, people go, people die, people pass. You lose them some much sooner than you would have expected. Um, and as as you age and you watch parents age, um, that's definitely, uh, it's definitely a, a sort of a, a harbinger 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 binger harbinger binger doesn't sound like a good word harbinger harbinger no harbinger of mortality 
sorry, another one of those words um, I always always question in my head. Um, and yeah, like the like, there's no question. I, I mean, I'm text textbook sort of textbook middle age now, late forties, and there's the there's definitely a a squeeze that comes there where you realize, whoa, the um, the good times, <laughs> the good times, the good times may have gone. Uh, are certainly the times when I felt far more bright and cheery about my prospects. Um, and, now I, now it's, and I don't want to overstate that. I don't want to overstate that. I'm grand. Don't worry. Um, but very different headspace compared to 20 years ago, which is as it should be. Um, and on some levels, on, 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 on some very important levels, personally speaking, I'm in a much better place um than and in one of the best places i've ever been in in a way in in my life in terms of my own peace with myself and my sense of my own capacity to to live a good life um now that 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 hasn't translated into oh what was that that's a, a falling instrument that hasn't translated into <laughs> That was a sign. <laughs> Be careful before you speak. That hasn't translated into anything resembling abundant wealth or abundant success in in maybe the, the conventional sense of that. But yet again, another one of those subjective terms. Um, I think to to be at peace with yourself is, and again, that's not a that's not a hundred percent of the time, but it's it's an awful lot of the time. That's I think that's a great, a great definition of wellness and success, um, in terms of being able to live with yourself. So further to that, this idea then of how we respond to to difficulty is I think hugely important, and if if the world is in a particularly shaky moment which i i believe it is um and certainly if you're if you're meeting the world through media and through social media um as much as you can find uh videos of kittens which make you feel warm and fuzzy or videos of of dogs being funny um really a lot of this, a lot of what we're consuming is pretty pretty alarming stuff but again that's that's the media um that's the media lens and it's also um how a lot of people use social media to express their own alarm their own existential crisis their own frustration their own cries for help and as i i spoke about this not that long ago you know we we've, we've got to be We've got to be careful, I believe. We, I'm going to say we, I mean me and I mean you, us. We have got to be careful about what we consume. Be careful about what you take in. That also affects your sense of resilience, your sense of what can be survived. And it affects your base state. It affects your equilibrium. So choose carefully. Um, 
I certainly feel as much as social media can occasionally be a, a you know, a, an enjoyable diversion, it doesn't take very long for me personally to go, I need to put this phone down and walk away. That might only be 10 minutes, uh, 10 minutes of, yeah, looking at whatever, cats and martial arts videos. Um, but the the thing is, how we respond to things is very much connected to that base state. It's very much connected to our, our, our core feeling and our core feelings and our core sense of, I have some resources here to deal with stuff. Um, and I think that that is really important because other, other, you know, if we can't, if we can't cultivate or nourish, nurture a sense of, of resilience, a sense of toughness that sits in, that sits in a fairly calm place. It's not about being outwardly tough. It's not about being outwardly resistant or outwardly aggressive. It's not about, it's not, it's not about pointedly shutting out the world because I, I don't think that's a healthy choice either. I mean, our objective surely is to to be in the world and to live in the world and to find the path that allows us to, to be engaged, that allows us to be well within the landscape of the world, even if that landscape is extremely brittle even if that landscape is extremely challenged, even if it's shrill, even if it's falling apart. Um, it's, on, it's on us to, to be maybe, and maybe this, this speaks to my own personal philosophy and it's maybe you don't care for me to advocate this, but perhaps it's on us to be a stabilizing element in that if you choose to believe you have a role to play if you if you want to it's and it's, it's not about responsibility it's not about saving the world or fixing the world but it's about recognizing well whatever i do on whatever level i do it it's contributing somewhere it's contributing to the the larger the larger dynamic the larger energy and if i'm conducting myself in a way that is that is calm that is considered that is thoughtful that is not hysterical that is not um that is not full of of rage that is not uh, full of, of of panic. That is not that is not um, hyper reactive. I I think that's a a, a more positive. The, the chances of you contributing something more positive are are greater. Um, and to 
to bring this back then to to what I was talking about before about about woke ideology and the the desire to make everything smooth and um smooth and harmonious smooth and inoffensive i suppose is a better word to use there and that's that's a big part of this you know are you offended are you offended have you been triggered have you been activated by something you've seen something you've read something someone said and then you want to control those narratives you want to control those images um just think about that for a second think about the how unreal that aspiration is think about how how that aspiration borders on insanity how it borders on megalomania to want to control the narratives to want to control what's said what people can and cannot say now I just think what that's going to do is, and I mean, I think it's already doing it. It creates a pressure. It creates an unnatural pressure that pushes all those, all, all that energy, that, that energy that is, is challenging to you, that, that, that different voice, the voice that you find offensive, it's going to push it somewhere else. And it pushes it into anytime anything gets suppressed, repressed, shut down, it doesn't disappear. It doesn't vanish. It has to go somewhere. And when something is no longer permitted, no longer tolerated, that becomes. and again, I mean, I'm 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 stumbling here a little bit because, I mean, I recognize, I recognize that there's a. That, that 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 the argument is, is more sophisticated than this, and it's more complex than this, because when we're talking about things that are, identifiable as being harmful to others in a very real way very dang- you know dangerous to others in a real way that there's true injustice um and something that really truly does need to be redressed socially culturally governmentally economically that's 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 in a different territory but if we're basically saying i want everyone to think like i do that is nonsensical it's nonsensical it's childish it's absurd um and you could even go further and say even to just want everyone to just never say the things that i don't want to hear is also nonsensical um but what we do need is and again, I'm, I'm repeating things I've said before on the on, on the pod. What we do need is a much greater level of of discourse and a greater level of of honest, open conversation. Um, and until people can find a way not to be triggered and not to live permanently in this 
highly heightened emotional state of hypersensitivity where the emotional response is what's being validated constantly at the expense of rigorous um rigorous engaged honest discourse well there's there's no way forward for us at all none it's um again it's it's it, it just becomes an echo chamber um but that doesn't help anyone that doesn't that, there's no edification in that there's no growth in that there's no evolution in that it's just another club and you know all clubs all clubs ha are are susceptible to that danger the danger of descending into a, a mutual appreciation society um and to to succumb to the the delusion of superiority and then there can be you know it, 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 it's a form of elitism but there's no oxygen in it there's no oxygen there's no life this you know the second everyone's agreeing that this is this is the place to be um it stagnates it locks it fixes and there's no longer any movement um and that's you know that's one of my personal obsessions is i hope as i age that i can retain a certain mobility of mind a certain flexibility of thought and flexibility of opinion and it's not to be a fence sitter or a dilettante or a faddist but it's to remain receptive to remain receptive to the ideas of others to remain open as much as i can um and it's not it's not to be open without judgment it's not to be open without criticism but it is to be open um because i think there's a greater chance for longevity i think there's a greater chance for emotional wellness i think there's a greater chance for intellectual rigor um and a sort of a an intellectual spryness i suppose that that feel, you know everything complements everything else um because i think it it the emotional state the intellectual state and the physical state they're all interconnected they all bounce off each other and feed into each other and that that you know that that comes back again to this this idea of how do we respond um how do we respond to what we find confronting how do we respond to what we find challenging it's in our interests to to face that stuff and to investigate it to examine it to process it and to to look at our own resources um and sometimes there's no question we're going to need help there's no question we're going to need to reach for the professionals we're going to need 
that therapist, that psychologist, that psychiatrist. Uh, we're gonna need, we may need that medication. We're going to need the help. Um, but there are so many other things we can do if we're not at that stage. If we think, no, I think I can do this myself. Or I certainly think I can begin the process of investigation, begin the process of understanding and begin the process of solution making or solution finding. And that may have elements to do with sleep. It may have elements to do with diet. It may have elements to do with um, time management, energy management. It may have to do with elements of um, time alone, reflective time, time to, if not meditate, just to, to sit and be still. It may have to do with trying to journal. It may have to, there may be elements of finding the right friend or our family member to talk to have a cup of tea with or a cup of coffee with and just a chat um and certainly for i mean look, i don't know how true this is i mean there's a lot of stuff out there about well i feel like i i see things again and again about men 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 needing help men and i've contributed to this conversation myself i did a long podcast at the start of this year about the crisis of broken masculinity um but this idea that, and it's it's a total stereotype, it's the total cliche about men and male behavior and male impulses, that men won't ask for help, um, or you know, or women find you know more meaning not just in their careers or their vocations, but also in, in relationships, in their their personal relationships and their family relationships, um, and men apparently much less so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure of that, but then I suppose I've been the, the the male friendships that I've cultivated over my lifetime. Most of those men that are and, and many of them are still very good friends after twenty, thirty, forty years um, are emotionally intelligent, um, emotionally available, emotionally switched on men um, interested in their family. Uh, good fathers, good partners, guys who can talk about things, and certainly, I've benefited enormously over the years from having those people in my life. Um, and still, that said, there are still, I still have moments in my own personal struggle. Um, well, you know, at different times when I'm having personal struggles, where I might hesitate to to reach out because my first my first point of attack if you will will be to look at myself and go hold on a second if i was to sit down in a professional space what am i looking for like what 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 am i actually seeking am i seeking validation am i trying to be given a plan uh Am I just looking for a sounding board? And I, I try to, you know, systematically kind of go through 
you know, what that looks like and go, well, hold on, can I not, can I, am I in a position to find some of those answers for myself? And it's not that I have a, a resistance or a reluctance to, to seek professional help. Um, and in fact, I'd, 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 even, I'd even say I'm strongly considering uh, returning to therapy at this point in my life because I think it, it could be a very useful juncture to do so. Um, even if it's only for a, a short period of time, um, I feel I could. Uh, I, I feel I, I would benefit from that. But um, I, I do think we often have more resources than we realize. But it's about stopping and being still and doing that personal inventory. Um, but it do, it does require. Maybe that maybe that's a muscle that requires a bit of practice, uh, flexing it, exercising it, and I've probably been doing that indirectly and directly, I suppose, through a lot of the things I've done over the last ten, fifteen, twenty years. Maybe through different things I've done as a in you know, as a teacher, as a martial arts instructor. Certainly, stuff I I've done. Um, on the the blog theclearout.com and the, the pieces I wrote there um, and certainly what I'm continuing to do here on on the podcast um, so yeah so I don't know I mean there's a I, I, I was trying to decide whether I'd throw out the cliche in today's episode of whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger Um I heard a bit of pushback on that idea recently. I mean, it is, it is a cliche and you can kind of throw it out there and go, well, I survived it and I'm still here. Therefore, I'm, you know, I've got renewed strength or therefore I had sufficient strength to survive that thing. Um, Therefore, I am now stronger. But, and maybe sometimes that's true, but, I think there's a context to that. Like, I think there's a context to facing into what you know is going to be a difficult time and bearing down and gritting your teeth and going, this is going to be, this isn't going to be easy, but I'm going to do it and I will get to the other side. And that's bringing a, an awareness and a, a sort of a consciousness to the, 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 the difficulties that lie ahead. Now, that's, that's actually quite different that's very different. And I mean, I, I would say there's like within karate training or a lot of traditional martial arts training, within a lot of sports training, like if you turn up for a rugby session, a rugby training session as my, my brother Danny would, and you know you're going to get whacked. You know there's going to be some tackles put in. You know you're going to be dumped on the ground. You know you're going to walk away from that pretty sore. That's, but he goes into that knowing that's what's ahead. And that's a, you're volunteering for that adversity. And in traditional martial arts, you volunteer for a lot of adversity. And in that situation, whatever doesn't kill you makes, your, makes you stronger. You're building that resilience. You're building that toughness. You're building the body. You're building the mind. You're also, and maybe this is under, understated um, or under-advertised, um, you are building emotional resilience, emotional toughness. Because often that's one of the biggest things you have to face with contact sports, combat sports, martial arts. It's fear. 
the fear of being hit, the fear of being hurt, the fear of being humiliated, the fear of not being strong enough, not being fast enough, not being tough enough. Um, and some of the most gratifying moments that I've experienced in, in karate as a, as a practitioner, um, but maybe more so as an instructor, is seeing people face those fears and overcome them seeing people face the fears and push through them and negotiate that emotional challenge. Um, And that's hugely gratifying as an instructor to think you may have contributed to that person's sense of can, that sense of I can actually overcome this. And that is, that's a huge part of what, um, what many teachers do regardless of the the subject the setting regardless of conventional education or sports or coaching that is a teach one i think that's one of one of the greatest gifts a teacher has is that being able to turn on that switch in a person's mind in their sense of self i can um i mean if you've done that if you've done that for one person, that's a that's a life changing, that's a life changing dynamic, even if it's only for one event, one test, one one problem in the math copy. Um, I don't know. That's um, that's a great thing. So you think come back to ourselves. You come back to what we face in our adult lives, what we face in terms of how we're looking at the world. And how we're looking at what can be dumped on us. And, and and this comes back to then the idea of the adversity that we can't plan for. The adversity that we didn't know was coming. The toughness that we didn't know was coming. See, in that situation, yeah, I'm advocating we've got to try and cultivate this sense of I can. I can survive this. I will survive this. I have resources. When the chips are down, I'll find a way. Um, and I probably... I definitely have a lot of that in me naturally. And maybe that's been informed by 30 years of karate practice. Maybe it's been informed by dealing with my own stuff. I don't know. But I definitely look to the future. And it's funny, my bar is very low. (laughs) So I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking upwards. I can become this great whatever actor podcaster you know what karate instructor wellness advocate i'm never thinking that way i'm usually thinking very much the other way when i run out of work when nobody wants to pay me to do anything i'll find a way to survive i'll get that dinner on the table i'll get the fuel for the fire um i'll find a way that's that's usually where my sense of 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 wellness and my sense of confidence in myself is located it's usually located in the worst of times uh this this will be survivable but to return to return to the idea of whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger and let's go to the the other side of that which is it may not kill you but it may endlessly weaken you. It may endlessly compromise you. It may endlessly 
darken the light and it may endlessly erode your sense of possibility. Now, I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm not saying that to be bleak. But but let's not kid ourselves. Some people get dealt very tough hands. Some people, it's attrition right from the start. Or some people find themselves in a sequence of unforeseen events that are relentlessly brutalizing and punishing and something does get killed something does die and it might be i mean and this you know this area i mean ultimately you know you can put that into different contexts that could be it could be socioeconomic just growing up with very little growing up in an impoverished disenfranchised part of your country your community your town um uh generational poverty gener- generational lack of opportunity and that is not nothing and i know the thatcherites among us maybe the the petersons the jordan petersons among us will say well pull yourself up by your bootstraps girl or boy or whatever um and take charge of your life and that's no excuse um look there are people who there are always going to be people who transcend circumstances there are always 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 going to be people who transcend shitty circumstances and that could be that and that doesn't have to be the cliche of what i just described oh well they're from a poor background oh it's a class issue oh no one in their family ever went to university no one ever finished high school secondary school whatever it doesn't have to be that and i mean that's you know that's an that's a it's an offensive stereotype in its own right because of course oh i'm not even going to go there but many people transcend their circumstances so many people transcend their circumstances and live good full and fulfilled enriched lives and they they punch through they punch through the the childhood they punch through the disadvantage they punch through punch through the trauma but many people don't and that is that 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 that's just as real as anything else as much as we want to you know wish it away sometimes life just does people in um and it's it is what it is and it's again it's not what life is meant to be it's not what life it's not what we'd like life to be but it is what it is and there are you know there are pathways out there if you're, if you're the type of person who goes, no, I want to I want to make a difference in a much more direct, coal-face way, that's why people become social workers. That's why some people become teachers. That's why people become therapists and counsellors and why they become health professionals. Maybe that's why, maybe, I mean, I'm hesitating, maybe that's why some people become politicians. I don't know. Um, but you ask yourself again, or I'm asking you, look at your own 
response system. Look at how you choose to respond to what's in front of you. Because you will be tested. I mean, I don't know. I mean, imagine if there was some miraculous calculator that we could just go boop, 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 boop. And it could show us a percentage of people who haven't had to deal with anything. People who haven't had to face anything. People who have had no difficulties. I'm guessing that's a pretty small percentage. And it doesn't matter because, you know, again, we can think very conventionally in terms of financial comfort, privilege, another subjective term. Um, humans, we, we have a way. <laughs> we find a way to, to feel hard done by. We find a way to, to, to uh, locate that sense of injustice, that sense of we've been wronged that sense of I've had a raw deal and sure I'm, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit as I say that but this just shows you like the, the, the subjective nature of experience and as I've said before the idea that you could ever dare to speak for anybody else's experience it's, 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 it's I find that offensive you have no idea we have no idea we have no idea what anyone else has been through none whatsoever we just don't know um and the 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 audacity to presume we can say this group of people is like this that group of people is like that all women are like this all black people are like that all all transgender people are like this all men are like that it's just embarrassingly stupid embarrassingly stupid um and the sooner we recognize the endless possibilities the endless possibilities of, of of the human experience the endless possibilities of and i'm going to return it just for just to suit my own interests today the endless possibilities of what story can be told by whom um and how that story doesn't speak for everyone that that story may only speak for one individual character that could be fictional and and not to get triggered not to get so alarmed but and you know i i've been this has been a little thing that's been scratching at the back of my brain since um since the middle of july when i i put out an episode uh focusing on the the films vertigo by hitchcock and um uh, Betty Blue, the, the 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 French movie from um, what was it the late eighties? Was it forgotten now? I only did it a couple of months ago, but um, I was looking at those movies in terms of uh, how craziness in love and craziness in relationships and what the French call amour fou, how that's how how that's depicted in movies, and I was dis- discussing the the plot of betty blue and i was breaking down the end of the movie and i used the word i think i may may know maybe i didn't use the word but i certainly expressed the sentiment that the end of betty blue was problematic because the the male lead ends up suffocating 
Betty Blue in her hospital bed after she's self-harmed and he decides that her brain has gone and she was this sort of mad, sexpot, vivacious, irrepressible young woman that he, he sort of became obsessed with and fell in love with and she became his his muse and she was championing his work and at the end he he suffocates her in her hospital bed in a mental institution and very casually in the final scene sits down to continue writing in his uh in in his in his room and there was something about that casual um i just dispatched my my girlfriend my mentally distraught girlfriend to the hereafter and now i'm going to spark up a cigarette pet a cat and sit down to continue working on my novel um that is what I was describing as being hmm problematic um and it didn't sit well with me afterwards I thought well you know what what am I trying to say here is it does this is this movie trying to say something about writers is it trying to say something about men is it trying to say something about women and male the men male obsession with sex um are trying to possess the highly sexualized woman uh is there something common being commented upon about the 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 reduction of a woman's utility to her sexuality and when that's that becomes broken in this case what's the point of having her around anymore anyway um and you know we can extrapolate we can draw out that theorizing we can draw out that critique but i don't know if that actually makes it problematic i mean the use of that word problematic for me now that's a that's a woke buzzword and it's a way of avoiding the conversation it's a way it's a way of looking at things and applying uh this woke morality onto something imposing it onto a story imposing it onto fictional characters and i question the the value of that it doesn't there's you know like and maybe this is just a semantics issue maybe it's just language so i mean yeah be critical look at something and go okay be critical but i tell you what if we start making stories TV shows, whatever, TV shows, movies, particularly where we see, you know, human life reflected back at us. So, um, you know, with such kind of verisimilitude where we go, yeah, well, that's that's us. If we take out all the lumps and bumps and everybody is just behaving in a way that is uh, across the board, tolerant um, and no one faces any adversity and everybody behaves wonderfully with this amazing this you know this amazingly aligned moral compass um that's going to be really dull art there'll be no friction there'll be no drama now I know we can talk about an evolution of storytelling and an evolution of representation and stories will shift to something else, perhaps. I don't know. But 
But I don't know. I mean, the, 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 we've we've been telling the same stories for as long as stories have been told, have we not? Don't all our stories come back to the same things? And I, I, I mean, I'm going, to, I'm going to get stuck. I'm going to, I'm in danger of going down a rabbit hole here of, of, of what storytelling is, what it can be, what stories need to be told. Um, but we've got to be wary if our stories are driven by moral rectitude. If our stories are being driven by a desire to right the ship um the it's not it's not very organic is it it's not coming from it's not coming from a place of pure storytelling it's not coming from a place of the human impulse to to tell stories to understand the world it's really doctrine and dogma and prescription and is that what you want I go to the chemist for my prescription or I get my prescription from a doctor. Um, I don't go to the cinema for that. I don't watch movies for that. So I don't read books for that. Um, so it's, it's, it really is something I think we've, we've, we've got to watch out for. Um, and just again to, 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 and I'm going to finish with this today I was watching on Netflix last night there's a, a little tiny series on Netflix I think it only has like four maybe four or six episodes it's called Voir <laughs> that's V-O-I-R Voir or Voir Voir the French word uh, to see the verb to see and they're basically short cinema essays 20 to 25 minutes long and I watched one episode last night and it was a, an American, I don't know if he's a movie critic, but someone who watches movies anyway. And he was talking about this idea of protagonists in movies that we don't like. So unlikable uh, protagonists and how central they are to, to, to movies and to movie storytelling and how they don't need to be likable to make the movie good. And he looked at a lot of different movies, uh, but the, 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 the starting point, um, he, and the movie he said was his favourite movie that he always tries to watch and always tries to bring people to see at least once or twice a year, um, is Lawrence of Arabia. And that certainly at different times in my life and particularly in my 20s, I used to cite Lawrence Arabia as one of my favourite movies, if not my favourite movie. And I was lucky enough to see it uh, in the early 90s in its restored version in the cinema. Um, and it clocks in at whatever it is, nearly three, it's just over three and a half hours long. And I was aware of it as a, you know, as, as a young sort of movie buff. Um, I was very much aware of the, you know these these David Lean epics, Lawrence of Arabia, um, was nineteen sixty two written by, now I was going to say Thomas Bolt is it Robert Bolt who also did A Man for All Seasons, um, I loved it and just seeing it in that show last night reminded me of how much I loved it and it was, it's a film that sometimes gets dismissed as being you know one of those 
yeah they're one of the, these kind of lengthy tedious epics from the 60s uh, and that, that coincidentally has no women in it um, although I feel there is a sequence isn't there at some point where there's women there are women ululating before men go into battle uh, set as it is in uh, North Africa um, but Lawrence of Arabia has so so I mean there's another movie that might get oh well you know you can't have that you know we need, it needs to be remade and there needs to be a, a female character um, and two of the, the key Arab characters are played by um, non-Arabic actors I mean famously Alec Guinness plays one of them and Anthony Quinn plays one of the others and the third um, is played by Omar Sharif um, in his in his young physical prime and he's an amazing sort of offset to Lawrence who was played so memorably so vividly by the young Peter O'Toole who just looked stunning the way his eyes explode on the screen such a beautiful face um astonishing astonishing and he is the the sort of uh certainly in the story of the movie he's this awkward you know maladroit army officer who's in the cartography section the map making and he's he seems to be regarded as somewhat of a joke and he's sent out to 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 Arabia uh, to meet one of the Arab leaders and this is during the, the First World War and the, the British army are trying to see can we can we work with these guys will they help us in our fight against the Turks um, and so what happens is Lawrence sets off and falls in love with the desert he falls in love with the 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 culture of the arabs and falls in love with himself as a leader of men and falls in love with himself as this facilitator uh, between warring arab states um and he falls in love with his own myth and it's never stated explicitly in in the movie but lawrence is also gay that was the that was the, the the speculation and he's this beautiful blonde blue-eyed man who is absolutely uh unique amongst all the 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 arabic men that he is is mixing with and he dresses he's gifted uh the white robes of the arabs and so he's, he's an amazing physical counterpoint to, to Omar Sharif, who's also very striking, but wearing black. Now, typically in, in Westerns, the white hat, black hat idea was the white hat is the good cowboy, the black hat is the bad cowboy. White, virtuous, black, dark and immoral and evil. Um, and in this case, that is, that, is, that, is not, that is not the convention that is being presented to us. And if anything... It's Lawrence who who loses his way and after being captured by the Turks and 
I think the what we're being led to believe is that he's he's raped by the Turkish officer in command. Um, Lawrence thereafter, because of his humiliation, um, because of a, a certain amount of um, th- th- there's an evident masochism in his character as well as as presented by by Lean and O'Toole. There's something very dark in him thereafter. And even though he's the man in white, you can see Omar Sharif, who's been a great friend to him, um, you know, his character in the movie, being crestfallen and and just you know unable to process what his friend has become because a, a bloodlust has been activated in Lawrence thereafter. Um, which again was something he tapped into earlier in the movie it's it's an astonishing it's an astonishing movie and the power of the movie is is the love it's 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 Lawrence's journey of love love with the desert love with what he can be and maybe the 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 unstated love he might feel for for Omar Sharif um, and it's David Lean just captured something really magnetic and magical with his visuals with the extraordinary performance that the movie is built around um, in, in, in Peter O'Toole in I don't know if it was his first movie performance but it was very early on um, so there is a movie about someone dealing with the world. What could he handle? He had to handle crossing the desert alone. He had to handle the the complexity of the 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 Arabic culture and negotiating that. He had to handle the disapproval of the British military and his superior officers. He had to handle his humiliation at the hands of the Turks. And ultimately, he didn't survive. Something got killed. So that thing that didn't, that didn't kill him, it didn't, did, it didn't make him stronger. It just made him angrier. It made him more brutal. It made him less caring. And that... You know that ties back to the the larger theme today of of adversity and at its worst trauma brutalizing us and and eroding our our sense of i think what it does is it like it erodes our sense of getting a positive response in return i think that's that you know, and what does that become that becomes a sort of an entrenched cynicism and entrenched defeatism and i think personally i think that is something that we have to watch out for um because once we get to that stage it's well there's not really much point anymore because we're we're we're, we're not investing in a positive way we're not investing with true hope and openness we're investing cautiously we're inve- investing with half our hearts and 
we're just not going to get that. We're not going to get the return that's possible if we do that. So, um, so there you go. There you go. That's my my final my final um, my final bit of uh, advocacy today is invest with a whole heart. Give give everything you've got, um, and give it. And this is key. Give it away and be happy to give it away. And whatever happens, happens. Don't make it transactional. But the less you give, the less chance you'll have of having that positive return. So there you go. Okay, so go and watch Lawrence of Arabia. Um, in fact, do you know what? I might just quickly... I might just quickly finish with there was a nice quote. There's a brilliant, um, a brilliant review from Roger Ebert, the great Chicago film critic, and in his updated review from twenty years ago, he quotes at the start of his review uh, something Omar Sharif said. Sharif said, "If you are the man with the money, and somebody comes to you and says he wants to make a film that's four hours long." with no stars and no women and no love story and not much action either and he wants to spend a huge amount of money to go film it in the desert what would you say <laughs> so <laughs> that that sums it up well what i would say if i was the money man and i and i and i had some sort of insight into david lean's vision i would have gone here take everything i've got um, I'll actually throw a link to that review uh, into the description of this episode because it's it's a it's a fantastic review, really 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 well written. Um, Roger Ebert, when he got it right, he really got it right. Okay, cool, that's it. Listen, um, if you like what you hear, you can you can throw me some love on social media. The Clear Out Podcast is on. Facebook and Instagram. It's on YouTube. Um, the Clear Out 2, that's the number 2, the digit 2, is on Twitter. You can email me at theclearoutlive at gmail.com if you want to share any thoughts, comments, responses, suggestions. And if you are so motivated that you want to contribute financially to the show and support it in that way, you can do, do so in two different ways. There should be a supporter link uh, in the description of this episode and there you can make a, a one-time contribution of whatever size you want or if you want to become a regular contributor a patron of the show you can use the patreon link that's patreon.com forward slash the clear out and that's a matter of throwing a small amount of money once a month um, or twice a month I don't know what it is but it's, a, it's like the, the price of a, a cup of coffee Um but a regular ongoing contribution to support the the life of this show, this tell. And I'd be grateful for whatever, whatever. And in, in whatever way you can support the, the podcast, spread the word, uh, I'd welcome it. So there you go. Okay, listen, mind yourselves, take care, stay positive, stay strong, stay resourceful, stay responsive. And I will talk to you again real soon. All the best. Take care. Bye.